From Washington, D.C. to your tap, water is often in the news. And there's a new book titled Water from National Geographic Kids. Welcome back to Textonation. I'm Fred Fishkin. Joining us is Sandra Postel, the director of the Independent Global Water Policy Project. Hi, Sandra. Good morning. Hi. Great to see you. Now, tell us what, first of all, what the Global Water Policy Project is about. Well, uh, it's something I started, uh, gosh, a long time ago, about a quarter century ago, um, to really focus uh, on the big global water issues and regarding agriculture and, and environment and politics and really try to help everyone understand how important water is to our overall well-being and security. And you've written a foreword for this new book for, for children on water. Tell us what your thoughts are, what's in this forward, and about the importance of this book. Well, I'm very excited about this book. I was very fortunate to get to read it and then be invited to write the foreword for it. And I think reaching kids at this age um, is just such an important thing to do. And the book is educational, it's fun, it's inspirational. And I think the idea is to really get younger people and their families and communities, right, involved in, in doing something about, about our water challenges. And the book offers just so many different opportunities and ways to do that, to get educated and then to act. And so my foreword was really about how, you know, I as a kid didn't really understand where the water in my community came from until much later. You know, the water comes out of the tap and we're lucky that it does. But then as you learn more about where our water comes from, you begin to get connected to it. And I think that's the wonderful thing about this book is the connection, the education, the inspiration to get involved. And a lot of kids may not understand that depending on where you live, your water would come from different sources, right? Well, that's exactly right. You know, we turn on the tap and if we're fortunate, there is good, safe drinking water there. And where does that come from? And that's really the first question I think we should all ask ourselves. Do we know the source of our water? And in some cases, it'll be a river. In some cases, it'll be a reservoir. In some cases, it'll be a lake. And in some cases, where I grew up uh, as a young person, it's underground in what we call an aquifer, the groundwater beneath our feet, literally. And so understanding that source is really our first point of connection, I think, with, with water and understanding its, its quality, understanding is there enough and what can we do to conserve it and protect it? What are some of the more unusual facts or, or myths about water that you've discovered in your work? Well, you know, I think one of the things that is quite astonishing, not only to me, but as I've gone about around the world and talked about water, is just how much water it takes to make things we use and buy and eat every day. Um, it's, it's really quite astonishing, uh, jaw-dropping really. You know, if we're an average American, it takes about 2,000 gallons of water to keep our lifestyles afloat. And most of that is in our diet because it just takes a lot of water to grow the crops we need and, and so on. And if you think about just a, you know, a typical uh, cheese pizza, for example, that can take 330 gallons of water to make for one pizza. And so the upside of that is that there's so many things we can do, you know, to reduce our so-called water footprint. 
If we throw away a piece of pizza because we took more than we really want to eat, we're throwing away 40 gallons of water. But we can, we can just adjust and make sure we put on our plates only what we need and want to eat, right? So there's, there's an upside to all of this waste in a sense because we can do something about it as we learn more about it. So that requires kind of a different way of thinking. People are wondering, well, gosh, I don't know a chef who uses that much water to make a pizza, but you're talking about all of the ingredients, growing the wheat, growing the tomatoes, uh, feeding the cows to make the cheese, right? So you're talking about everything that goes into this. That's, that's exactly it. Most of it is happening out in the field. It just takes a lot of water to grow you know the forage that's fed to the cows who are then milked to make the cheese so a lot of it is happening in agriculture you know when we look globally 70 percent of all the water that we're using human society overall is using 70 percent of that goes to agriculture to grow to grow the crops that we that we eat and so that's a, a big area we can conserve but we can also do a lot you know at home um, the very simple task of turning off the faucet when we're brushing our teeth, simplest thing we can do to conserve, and it can save two to three gallons of water if we just turn off the tap when we're brushing our teeth. So starting simple and then learning more and, and being able to conserve in more creative ways is, is really a, a great way to go, go about it, I think. And simple things can be a little confusing. Uh, do you wash your dishes by hand or do you put them in the dishwasher? I guess the, the, there are a lot of question marks people might have. There are a lot of question marks. I think it depends, you know, how uh, how much water you have running when you wash the dishes in the sink. Typically, a modern dishwasher will be the much more water efficient way to go. Um, I imagine some people, though, are quite careful how they wash dishes in the sink with a bowl of water and rinsing. But modern dishwashers are are typically uh, the more efficient way to go for for dishwashing. And similarly. Uh, a shower, as long as we don't take a super long shower, shower is usually more efficient than a bath, depending on how many minutes we're in the shower. Now, even after all of the rain and snow out west over this past winter, uh, White House this week proposing cutting water allotments from the Colorado River. People might wonder, I thought we had a lot of rain. Yeah, and this the western water situation is getting more and more difficult to solve. And the government's report that came out this week really indicates that. You know, the Colorado River supports 40 million people and 5 million acres of, of agricultural land. And there's 20 to 30% less water that's gonna be in that river system because of climate change, right? And we're seeing what we call in the West now, the aridification of the land. There's water being evaporated. Everything is thirstier because we're in drought. So the rain that does come gets sucked up by thirsty plants and soils. So less of it is running off to the reservoirs that supply everybody. And so we're gonna have to think creatively about how we can use less water, but still have you know, healthy productive lives in, in the Western United States. And we can do it, but it's gonna take a lot of innovation and commitment and, and creativity. Um, I think the you know there's going to have to be a lot of cooperation among the states to figure out how to equitably deal with this situation of of less water. Um, already, the Colorado does not reach the sea, you know, and rivers are are meant to reach the sea. It hasn't been reaching the sea for decades, and that's that situation is just going to get more challenging. 
So cooperation, working together, I think is where it's at. And I guess one season with lots of rain and lots of snow doesn't cure everything, does it? It doesn't, unfortunately. This year certainly helped. Uh, what happened in California, of course, we had terrible flooding this year. So there was the other side of climate change. You get, you know, we're going to experience climate change largely through the water cycle, if you think about it. We're going to have more severe droughts, more severe floods. And so adapting to that reality is, is really key. And you're absolutely right, Fred, that one season of, of more than normal rain is not going to get us out of, of this predicament in, in the Western United States. So this book is important to helping raise awareness among kids, maybe their parents pick it up too, and uh, get them involved here. The title again is Water from National Geographic Kids. Sandra Postel, where can we go for more information about your work? Well, I have a website, globalwaterpolicy.org. Um, so there's more information there about, about my work. Um, and of course, the, uh, the Nat, Nat Geo book uh, is available anywhere, your local bookstore, online, a Nat Geo website. So there's lots of resources out there. And I really hope the, this conversation and, and the book inspires a lot more people to get involved because it really is an all hands on deck moment. Congratulations on your work. Uh, thank you for it. And thanks for spending time with us. Thank you.